Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Well, hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a fantastic week with more good days than bad, which is the theme of this podcast. (laughs) I had a great week. It was filled with a lot of good days and not so many bad moments. One of the highlights of this week for me was that I finished my advanced coaching credentials. So I had gone through general training back in 2020. And then in 2022, I went through my advanced training, got all of my hours in, passed my exam and all those wonderful things. And I'll tell you something, Being on the other side of all of those monumental tasks, being able to close the book on that chapter of education, not that I'll ever stop learning, but the formalized education, feels so good. And I say that as somebody who had been procrastinating on pulling together all of the requirements for that final credentialing, because probably like you, I have a fear of being evaluated and judged and having somebody look at my work and possibly tell me that I'm not good enough, right? I'm sure many of you can relate to just that feeling of having to put yourself out there to be either accepted in the club or not. Certainly that was very terrifying for me and I dragged my feet so long on submitting my final work for approval. And ironically enough, I'm also coaching a fellow coach right now who is going through that same thing. And I felt for her because that feeling of putting yourself out there to be judged and evaluated is tough, especially when we put a lot of our own self-value in the hands of other people and in their opinions, which I have absolutely done. But long story short, I did pass. I did get my certification. And then ironically, today on my morning walk, I was listening to a podcast by Ali Abdal who's a big YouTuber. I can't remember what the name of the podcast was, but the context of the podcast I was listening to was around rule followers and how very often we just assume that there's rules there that we need to follow and we do so quite blindly. And I know ADHDers do this a lot because A, we're terrified of rejection and B, we're very prone to black and white thinking. So it was really interesting to hear this author talk about how most rules can be broken or ignored. And I'm not talking about, obviously, rules that have legal implications or rules that could hurt or harm others, but rules as in you have to take XYZ step in order to get here. Or if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to do things a certain way or that you need to show up a certain way in social media. More and more, I'm realizing that I'm just listening to these various different gurus talk about what you should do. And they're just rules that these people have made up because it just happened to work for them. And then we take that in our head as, well, that's what you're supposed to do. And we get frustrated when those same rules that we're following closely don't yield the same results for us. And it also makes me think back to my coach training when very early on in our training, we were encouraged to start taking clients as soon as possible to start cutting our teeth on practicing the art of coaching. And we all felt woefully underprepared to coach people. And I remember very distinctly one of my instructors saying, if you are freaking out about coaching people and you feel ill-prepared, just remember this. Coaching is made up. 
like most other things in this world, we think about it, therapy, teaching, the way we structure family and society, all of it is just made up, right? It's not scientific. It's just what we accumulated through years of experience and evolution. Most things in the world are made up. Even science is made up. Now, granted, we can quantify science and qualify it, but the rest of the world is just made up stuff. Obviously, there are professions that have rules in place to protect the greater society and the individuals within it. So again, I'm not talking about breaking rules that might hurt people, but I highly encourage you to just keep that idea in mind that everything is made up, including the rules around everything. So instead of trying to white knuckle your way through a particular set of rules that don't feel good or aligned to who you are, then question those rules and see if you really do, in fact, have to follow them. In the coaching profession, there's the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, and they have a set of rules and guidelines for coaching people, which are great. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're not the end-all, be-all, golden scroll of thou shall do X, Y, and Z while in a session with a client. But yet I've noticed myself get caught up in these rules. And because I want the gold star and the checkbox and the little letters after my name. So coming full circle, getting my certification this week has less to do about the certification itself, but more to do with this idea of me being able to close a chapter of formal instruction, taking everything that I learned and now setting up my own set of rules because there's no more gatekeepers or exams or evaluations that I need to go through as a coach. I've hit all my markers and everybody has checked the box. I'm official. So now the beautiful thing is that I get to ignore all of those rules that I trained so hard to master in my own coaching experience. And that for me is both liberating and exciting. So if you're somebody out there who is procrastinating on the final steps of a journey where you perhaps need to just submit stuff so that you can be evaluated and approved and move on with your life, know this, whatever feedback you get are going to be based on a made up standard of rules that may or may not be important to you anyway. So don't measure your value and worth as a human being or as a professional against whatever rules it is that you are training towards. So if you don't get the gold star or the checkbox right away, that's fine. You can keep moving towards that if this rule is an absolute, but maybe question whether or not it is an absolute rule. Two examples I would share with you. I listened to another podcast just this week where a guy went from high school into a graduate program in Australia and completely skipped his undergrad. And he was able to do that based on the quality of his design work. And another rule breaker that I think is an absolute beautiful, magnificent human being, and thank God he broke the rules that he did, is Dr. James Doty, who I would love to get on this podcast. He wrote a book called Into the Magic Shop, which I highly recommend that you read. Everybody should read this book. It is life-changing. And he wouldn't be the person he is today having the impact he's having today if he didn't break rules in his own life. So for whoever needed to hear that little rant today, there you go. <laughs> You're welcome. So now moving into this week's podcast, which has nothing to do with breaking rules, but it does have to do with optimizing your life for good days and managing the bad ones. Because as ADHDers, our energy can be really unpredictable. And 
personally, two things that have really helped me since my diagnosis and understanding ADHD the way I do now is that number one, I learned to design my life in such a way that it creates space for those ebbs and flows. And then on the other side, I've designed systems and strategies for making sure I have as many good days as possible and just mitigating for those days that are utter poop. And we all have them. So I hope that you get some really great takeaways from today's podcast on how to design your life to really accommodate for both. So on that note, guys, let's roll to the podcast and I will talk to you next Friday. Ciao for now. I get asked a lot what it feels like to have ADHD. And as I walk through that explanation of my own experience, most people just nod. And I can tell from the expression on their face, they're thinking, yeah, that's just being a normal human being. And I get that because these really are human conditions, right? But the defining difference with ADHD is, first of all, it's been prevalent throughout your entire life. And second of all, it has a prolonged impact on your day-to-day -day life. So instead of talking about generalities, what I thought I would do today is talk about what ADHD looks like on a good day, which is very much like a neurotypical person's good day, and what it looks like on a really crappy day. And of course, because you know I miss positive pants, I'll also share my thoughts around what to do to optimize for good days and mitigate for the bad days. So let's jump right into what ADHD feels like on a good day. Now, these are all specific to my unique flavor and blend of ADHD. So somebody else with ADHD might have a different experience. But generally, when I am having a good day, there are three things that are very evident. I am in a positive state of mind. I'm very productive. and I'm very social. Let me break that down for you. When I'm in a positive state of mind, everything feels so much easier. I will link to a video up here somewhere where I talked about emotional dysregulation and ADHD. When we are in a very negative mindset, we're in a completely different area of the brain where we can't access the prefrontal cortex, which is where we're able to do planning and organization and be productive and do all those great adulting things. So it's really important for me to ensure that I'm in a positive state of mind and all else things seem a lot easier from that point. The next piece is that I'm really productive. And what does that mean? It means that I can have a list of things that I want to do in a day and I can actually direct my attention to focusing on them and following through with them. It's never perfect for any human being, but for me to have a list of three to five things to do in a day and actually do them is really great because very often I can feel productive doing things that are not actually important or relevant in the moment. So for me, if I'm able to do the things that I'm planning to do, that is a good day. The last piece that shows up there is that I'm more social and connected on a good day. So that's when I want to see people or want to call and text people. And I just am more engaged with the world around me because on a bad day, I'm more inclined to be more reclusive and just stay to myself because the energy that I'm in is not something that I want to share with other people. On the flip side to that, when I'm having a bad day, that looks like me being in a very negative state of mind because I'm emotionally dysregulated. So I'm only picking up on the negative things in my environment. I'm obsessing about interactions I've had with others, picking apart everything I said or analyzing what they said, and just generally making up really negative stories that are completely unhelpful and typically not grounded in reality. When I'm having these kind of days, I go inward. I get very introverted. I don't want to talk to other people. 
I don't want to have meetings or be on Zoom. I just want to bring all my energy inside and give myself an internal hug until I feel ready to come out in the world again. Now, I know we can all feel like that from time to time, but if you feel like that a few times a week, it can impact important areas of your life. Like if you made plans with friends, but then you have an energetically low day, the last thing you want to do is go out and be social with other people. In my business, this can also be a problem because some days I need to show up as my best self for my clients with all of my present energy focus on them for our one-on-one -on -one calls. And then, of course, all of that also impacts my productivity, my memory, my ability to focus, organize, and prioritize things. Everything just feels overwhelming, and I go into fight, flight, or freeze. And I just basically sit here doing this all day long. And your girl's running a business and she doesn't have time for that. So that is just a small snapshot of how good days and bad days impact me now as an adult. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time feeling anxious, both because of social interactions and second guessing myself, but also feeling like I didn't really know what was going on because my attention was so scattered. So very often in class, for example, I would just smile and nod and pretend like I knew what was going on. But for the most part, I never did. I would just pray to God that no teacher ever called on me because they did. I would feel humiliated. And when they did call on me, I did feel humiliated, which made me just feel worse and worse. And the saddest part about those shame spirals back when I was a kid is that I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up in that era of kids are meant to be seen and not heard. They're also not allowed to have feelings. And if they do, they must keep them to themselves. So growing up as an adhd -er in the 70s and 80s was kind of tough as I think about it now in retrospect. But because I'm now an adult and I know exactly what I'm dealing with, I have all kinds of different strategies to ensure that I have as many good days as possible and mitigate for those bad days. And here's what it looks like for me. Let's say I've got a full day of coaching calls tomorrow. So I know that tomorrow needs to be a good day so I can bring the best energy I can to my clients. Everything that I do starting the night before will lead up to me having a good day. It starts with having a non-risky meal. What I mean by that is I don't want to have anything that might upset my stomach or make me feel bloated or inflamed because I'm optimizing for the best night's sleep possible. So I'll have like fish and vegetables, something very simple. And I also plan those evenings to be super low key. I probably won't watch TV because if I get caught up in a good show, I'm on it for like four hours. So those are the nights where I might just watch a few videos or read a book or something like that. And then I'll go to bed early. And sometimes I'll take like a little melatonin, sometimes with CBD, sometimes not. But the key is to take half the prescribed dose. So never more than three milligrams at most, but usually I do about one and a half milligrams. And I find that that will put me to sleep and keep me asleep to the next day. And I don't wake up feeling groggy. So the next day I'm going to wake up and hopefully I've had a great sleep. And that is half the battle. If you can master your sleep, you will manage your ADHD symptoms so much better. Trust me on this one. A great night's sleep is a blank canvas for a perfect day. So on that note, if I know I have back-to-back -back calls all day, I'm going to do something in the morning to prepare myself for that. So I might roll out my yoga mat first thing in the morning and go through a 30-minute class. Then I'll go outside for a walk, message a few friends, and just enjoy the sunshine if we have it. And then I'll come back in and get myself ready for my day. I'll prepare my space so it's not cluttered because that takes my attention away. I'll make sure everything looks good in my background for my clients. I will get myself ready for the day. And then 30 minutes before my client calls start, I'm sitting at my desk doing a little meditation, just thinking about how I want to prepare and be in good energy 
for my clients that day. And then throughout the day, I always make sure that I have at least a 15 to 30 minute buffer in between calls and then one longer break, usually around an hour, because I want to make sure that I have time in between each call to get up, move around, maybe get outside and put the sun on my face and just fill up my water bottles and just make sure that my needs are being met in between those sessions. So I'm not thinking about that while I'm in session with a client. And the last thing I do to optimize for good days, which is going to sound a little weird, maybe, is to be really cognizant of what I'm taking in and consuming. I know I already mentioned food. What I'm also talking about is flipping through Instagram or the news or who I'm talking to throughout the day or anything that's going to throw me into emotional dysregulation is not something I want to focus on when I'm trying to have a good day, especially on days when I'm coaching or I'm filming and I just want to show up as my best. So I'm always super vigilant to ensure that I am not putting myself in front of things that might trigger me, especially when I know I need to prepare for an important day. Now, how do I mitigate bad days? Obviously, bad days are going to happen. Sometimes I'm going to have a bad night's sleep. And sometimes it's going to be that I heard something crappy on the news. Those days are just going to happen. So if I wake up and I know I'm going to have a low capacity day, I've got plans for that. I set up all of my tasks in Notion based on what my energy is. And I always have like a run of low energy tasks that I can focus on in a day to just make myself feel productive and try to get out of the mood that I'm in. And on those days, you can be sure I'm going to go for a walk. When I get outside and I start moving my body, it helps me process emotion. Then I'm going to come home and I'm going to do a workout, depending on how I'm feeling. Now, as I'm doing that, I'll also be listening to things that lift me up, either really fun music or a podcast I like, or I'll be listening to a voice message from a friend who makes me laugh, anything that will elevate my mood. And at that point, if I'm feeling better, my day will start to get a lot better. But some days, my energy is like this the whole day. And in that case, the one thing I don't do on low capacity days is nothing. Here's what I mean by that. If I just sit around all day, I will just sit and ruminate on whatever I'm thinking about. So I actually like to work on those days because I do love what I do, but I'm very careful to only do low capacity tasks. So the way I've set up my task system in Notion, I actually label those tasks that are like low energy versus high energy. So on my low capacity days, I can just filter for those tasks and work on them. And they're usually things that aren't time sensitive, but I need to make progress on. So when I'm working on those low energy tasks, I'm getting things done. I'm getting out of that state of rumination and I actually do start to feel better. It might be a low capacity day overall, but usually I find that those are the types of things that will make me feel better. In addition to that, there's like things I like to do for myself on low capacity days, like work from bed or take my dog for a walk, or I'll have like some sort of soothing spa music on my Sonos, whatever I can do to self-soothe, whether it be some sort of a behavior or switching up my environment is going to go a long way to helping me get through those bad days. So that is essentially what ADHD feels like for this 50-something-year-old woman. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I feel like if you have ADHD, then it's really important to have your own set of strategies to ensure that your good days are as many days as possible and your bad days are taken care of so that you can just feel what you need to feel, go to bed and wake up the next day, hopefully feeling a bit better. So on that note, I hope that was helpful and I wish you many good days and very few bad. Thanks for watching and I will see you in the next video. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.